morning. How are you? Good. Praise the Lord. That was the right response. That was good. Um, I'm trying to preserve my voice. So after last Sunday, I don't know what I did, but uh, whatever I did um, was not good. Um, did you all get DNA part one as you came in today? Yes? Do you have DNA part one with you? Yes? Can you understand my voice? Do I sound muffled? Okay. Sound okay? All right. So they might do some tuning as we go. Um, and I am trying to remember to open wide and enunciate well uh, and uh, to breathe good. Everybody say breathe good. That's diaphragm breathing. Support my breath, my voice well. Amen. Uh, so we want you to get DNA part one, though, if you don't have that, because I'm I'm uh, I will attempt to speak out of that today a little bit. Okay. Uh, I had a, uh, Michael, where are you? Michael, where are you? Michael? 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 When Michael comes back. Michael? Uh, I want to put that website up on the screen. Would you do that? So I want to refer you to a website that I think is interesting for you to go and read things from. Uh, this gentleman's name is Walid. Everybody say Walid. Shubat. Everybody say Shubat. So this is Walid. That's, that's what we made. No, I just wanted you to... No, I didn't want that. I just wanted, like, just type out Wally Shubat. That's all I wanted. Oh, you silly thing. Okay, so shoebot.com. All right, so that's enough of that announcement. Um, so go there. It is, uh, it is graphic, and uh, so there's some graphic things there. If you have a hard time with graphic things, then go there and get really um, messed up. So, uh, for me, myself, I'm very upset over what happened in San Bernardino this week. Um, and uh, it bugs me deeply. And Walid has some commentary on that. He is a born-again terrorist. Uh, he was a part of the PLO and came to the Lord uh, out of Islam and... Uh, what he has on his website is shocking and powerful, and I think it's time that we all wake up. Uh, so go to shubat.com. Um, this is this is I'm not I'm not saying he's infallible. Receive this endorsement as a. If I say go eat church's chicken, it doesn't mean that you won't eat too much chicken. It doesn't mean that you will get healthy from the chicken. I just had a piece of church's chicken, right? So if you find something on his website that is like weird, then don't say, well, pastor must have read everything on his website. And so pastor must be weird. No, 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 no. I haven't read everything on his website. Would you get that website off of the screen, please? What are you doing? Thank you.
You, no, we're not going to let you show some graphic part on the... Oh, Lord, have mercy. Uh, it is interesting that a Christian, a Christian is getting killed in the world every five minutes. Every five minutes, a Christian is dying under the hands of persecution. That's interesting. And um, I think it should shake us. It should shake us. I don't know. I don't know that we can. I don't know that we should go about our Dairy Queen, Regal Cinema, Comcast 3000 channel life every day with our hot tubs and our luxury automobiles and ignore what's happening everywhere else in the world. And the least we can do is pray. But most Christians can't find time for that because they're too busy and distracted. And they think God is sovereign. If he wants to fix it, he just will. We've got so much messed up theology that actually supports our laziness. Um, But if we don't wake up on our own, we're going to be waking up another method. So it would behoove us to wake up on our own. Hello, somebody. Uh, In other words, it would behoove us to see what's coming and to get on our faces to prevent it. Amen. So, Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name... He doesn't need everybody to pray right now. He needs believers to pray. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways... What could be wicked? Well, if you're not involved in moral failure... Maybe just prayerlessness. Maybe just pride. Maybe just absent-mindedness toward kingdom business. Maybe just this selfish lifestyle that we've chosen. Maybe this thinking that the prosperity of God upon the righteous is so that we can just get fat and go to old country buffet and watch more cable television. Hello. Hello. No, the prosperity on our lives is so that we can be kingdom involved and kingdom busy. We can climb out of the hot tub once in a while to do something for Jesus. Sorry, but I, 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 I just got to say that we got trouble coming if we don't wake up. Anybody want to wake up? Or would you rather have trouble coming? How many would rather wake up? Uh, I'm not speaking to you only. I'm, I'm shouting it over the church. I'm shouting Ezekiel 37 over the church. Come on, great army. You're not hopeless. You're not without hope, great army. Wake up. You are a great army, by the way. Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54 says that the embattlements around you the fortress around you, it's not 
nuclear weaponry, by the way. This is a spiritual battle. Everything we're involved in is spiritual. When, when you get to a certain level of prosperity like Europe, you begin to think that nothing is really spiritual anymore. We're about to learn that everything is still spiritual. Satan is about ready to show us, as he did in San Bernardino, that everything is still spiritual. And we need to wake up. So Isaiah 54 says that the embattlements around Israel, the fortresses around Israel, they were spiritual. God puts fortifications around a people who choose him, around a people who revere him, around a people who run to him, around a people who love him. It is in our best interest to make him Lord. It's a wise thing. Hallelujah. Well, that's not the sermon. But it's a good one. Um, And I, I would encourage you Uh, Jesus said, my house will be a house of espresso. Jesus said, my house will be a house of for all the nations. My house will be a house of prayer for all the nations. Amen? So guess what? This is the house, and we come here, and, uh, and we pray here. We encourage you to pray here. We have prayer meetings here. This is what Christians do, by the way. I would encourage you. I know that you are adults. I know that many adults can't sleep until 10. I do not think for a moment that you are sleeping till 9.30, jumping out of bed grabbing some Wheaties and coming down to make it into church by 10.05. I don't think that's... I'll bet you most of you adults are awake at 6. So I want to encourage you that we have prayers starting at 9. The most powerful church and the most powerful people are people of prayer who openly cooperate with God, who openly chase and pursue him. And, and we have such a crazy privilege right now in America to do it together. There's nobody I'd rather pray with than with you. And I love it when I'm praying in a circle with you and you open your mouth and something of God comes out. To me, that really encourages me. It's like there's something in you that's not even in me. And that's why when two or three are gathered together, there am I, says Jesus, manifesting myself in the midst. Is anyone omniscient in the building this morning? Omniscient meaning all-knowing. Is there an omnipotent person in the building this morning, meaning all-powerful? No, we need each other. Yes? We complement each other. There's something of God in you. There's a deposit of God in you that I need in me. And when you bring it to a circle of prayer, when you bring it to the small group, when you bring it to community, when you bring it to expression. Oh, I just, I went, my mind went off into something else terrible. 
How come when we get together we, with, to pray, we don't say anything? I don't understand that. So then pastor feels like he has to pray all your prayers because you won't talk. I know your brain is working. Lynette, what are you saying? Every Sunday, 9 o'clock. And, and, and if, you, if you have had, if you've woken up late, your Wheaties weren't cooked, you had to stop at five bucks and get a drink, you can, if you make it here by 9.25, you can join us for the final hallelujah. Because at 9.25, we all huddle up front, and, and in the huddle, some will prophesy, and some will pray, and some will lead out in prayer, and pastor tries to restrain himself from doing everything. It's amazing to me. Oh, this is another rant. It's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that some of you say, how come we never have prophecy during the service? I had a prophecy and I wanted to give it, but you could come to pre-service prayer and prophesy all you want to. And I know you're not sleeping because you're adults. The bed kicked you out a long time ago. Hallelujah. All right, let's see if there's any other rants we want to get on. Are there any other rants? Um, One went through my brain while I was talking, and I'm trying to remember what it was now. If I should meditate on it or revisit it. Ooh, hallelujah. God is good. Amen. Hmm. All right, let's pray over the word again. A double prayer. So anything that I've said before this will not be used against me in a court of law. Father, we just thank you uh, for your presence and your ministry. Thank you that you've called us out. Uh, You've made us a people, a special people. Oh, the rant came to me. While I was praying, it came to me. Okay, let's let's go off on it for a second. So we know this is the house of prayer. We know this. And he said that I'm going to make my house will be called a house of prayer for the nation. So we, it would be known this way. But in the truest sense, also, you could actually say this house. This house. My house. Jesus said my house. Are you his house? Well, then what are you known as? Do we call you Baptist or do we call you House of Prayer? Do we call you Catholic or do we call you House of Prayer? Do we call you Foursquare or do we call you House of Prayer? Do we call you Assembly of God or do we call you House of Prayer? Do we call you Nazarene or do we call you House of Prayer? It's interesting. I'm just messing with you. Are you known as a House of Prayer? If our reputation does not match our name, then that means there's a link that's missing. Right? So we should be known as this, this temple, this earth suit, this, this thing right here, should be known as a house of prayer. Not only for myself, 
but for the nations. Amen. So we'll finish the prayer of the sermon now. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you that we can be together. This is awesome. And that you've gathered such an amazing, wonderful people. We give you the praise for your word now. In Jesus' name, amen. Numbers eleven sixteen. Numbers eleven sixteen. I'm staying on this stool because I'm trying to be calm. So if I if I attempt to be calm, then it helps my voice because um, my voice is not what it ought to be yet, but it will be there, and I'm coming down with a healing. Everybody say, "I'm coming down with a healing." Yeah, Amen. Numbers eleven sixteen. The Lord therefore said to Moses, Gather for me seventy men from the elders of Israel, whom you know to be elders of the people and their officers, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their stand with you there. And then I will come down and speak with you there, and I will take of the Spirit who is upon you and put it upon them. I will take of the Spirit that is upon you and put it upon them. And they shall bear the burden of the people with you, so that you will not bear it alone." Now, I really believe that this is what happens in an atmosphere where there's leaders and followers. I believe that what God wants to do in a church is he wants to take the spirit that he puts upon the leader and put it upon the people. And the more you edge toward, I know that all of us come in as a crowd. We all come in on the fringes. We all come in uh, checking things out like Lily coming near her food. She's not sure if it's good or not, so she's sniffing. And then if it's good, she gets closer. And that's the way we come in. But as we, as we begin to uh, uh, associate with a house and with a ministry, then what should happen within us is we begin, to, we begin to get into agreement with the ministry. Actually, the word amen means I agree. Right? And it's a word that is like hallelujah, Uh, It goes across all languages, and it says, I agree. So that's kind of fun, right? So, and and what God's trying to do, what God's trying to do through leadership and in a house, is God is, first of all, trying to get the leader to come near to Jesus. (laughs) And he's trying to instill Jesus into the leadership, and then he's trying to instill Jesus through the leadership into the people. And hopefully as people come in as a crowd and they come into the fringes, they begin to move closer into a yes to the ministry, a yes to the word, a yes to the revelation of Jesus in that ministry. And they begin to, they begin to uh, as it was in this passage, they begin to receive the spirit that's on the leader begins to come upon the people. I will take of the spirit that is upon you, and I will put that spirit upon them. Everybody say, I am the them. 
You are the them. He wants to take of the spirit that's on this house. He wants to take of the revelation of Jesus on this house. And he wants to put that spirit on you. And then as he puts that spirit on you and there becomes a holy yes with you, then what happens is your heart begins to open in a greater way. Your eyes begin to open in a greater way to where the Holy Spirit begins, like the anointing begins to teach all of us everywhere so that then there begins this compliment. You you know what I'm talking about? There becomes this compliment of camaraderie in the spirit because you are seeing what we're seeing and as you see what we see then the Holy Spirit begins to show secrets to all of us in a greater dimension and the Holy Spirit wants to show the secrets of God to us to him whose heart is toward him he discloses his secrets how many of you know want to know the secrets of God well, when our heart has a yes to the revelation that he's bringing, then, and our heart is toward him, and our heart is yearning toward him, then he begins to show us more and more secrets. Yes, that was good. Who's doing that? Let's do that. Yes, we want more. Come on, bigger, bigger, louder. We want his secrets. We want his secrets. To him whose heart is toward him, he shows him his secrets. Another verse says, I make my covenant known. Don't we want that? So when we think about this phrase, I will take of the spirit that is on you and I will put it on them. It's not... It's not just the anointing, though the anointing would be a good definition or a good word for it, but it's also paradigm, it's perspective, it's philosophy, it's mindset, it's mentality, it's calling, it's purpose. I will take of, the, of those things and I will put it on the people. I will put it on them. And in this way, I believe that we're becoming more and more the church, Right? We're becoming more and more the church. We're not attending. And we've been saying this to you the last few weeks. Counterculture church is not us uh, attending a church. We're trying to move out of that mindset of where we attend a church. We're trying to move into the mindset that we are the church. Amen. Come on, say it with me. I am the church. I am the church. I am the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Say it with me. We are the body of Christ. I am a significant member of that body. I could have said appendage, but that doesn't sound nice. Member sounds better, but some of you are a hand, some of you are a foot, some of you are an ear, some of you are an eye. We all are different parts of the body of Christ. We need each other, and we need each other active, otherwise the body is disabled. Do we want a disabled body? No, we want a completed body. Amen? So that's why we honor one another in, in the gifts that each possess. That's why we, that's why we encourage. That's why we add a boy. We cheer one another on in expression because every person is so needy and... Needy, not not needy. Needed and important. Well, sometimes we're needy too, but... (laughs) 
So God infuses 70 elders with the same DNA that he had placed in and upon Moses. God infused 70 elders with the same DNA that he placed in and upon Moses. Everybody say more, Lord. So what is DNA? DNA is what you bleed when we cut you. Now that sounds funny, but what do you bleed when somebody hurts you? When somebody... Oh, stop that. Not blood. When somebody... It's a spiritual metaphor. Don't make me yell at you. When somebody hurts you, do you bleed bitterness? Do you bleed profanity? Do you bleed hatred? Do you bleed revenge? What do you bleed? We don't know what you bleed until somebody hurts you. So when somebody hurts you, what do you bleed? That's your DNA. I'm talking, I want to talk about DNA in the next few minutes. I'm going to have a few minutes to actually preach. Okay, talk. And um, so, and what we're trying to get here with all of our hearts is the DNA of Jesus. We want to believe Jesus when people hurt us. When people cut us, when life cuts us, when difficulties come, we want to believe Jesus. Amen? DNA determines... Your personality, a lot of your personality really is woven into your DNA. Your traits and what you reproduce. DNA, DNA determines what you reproduce. Right? Now I know we can all run around and have babies unless you've done something to fix that. Um, We could all run around and have babies, but uh, I'm talking about spiritual. Spiritual. Your DNA is what you reproduce. And we, so we have to to think about this, is that actually you you are meant and empowered and graced to the level that you've pursued it and laid hold of it to reproduce the DNA that you have or the DNA of Jesus. Yes? Let's look at our DNA part one sheet. And I want to just touch on a couple high points today uh, because we can't touch on all of this. Um, But this, um, uh, in many ways, um, and we're going to have, we will have several of these that kind of define who we are as a people. Uh, but I don't know that I'll preach for several weeks on it. I don't know. I'll, I will I'll work on this as long as we need to. Uh, good news is the first one. And that we, we should be, um, hopefully, you know, our heart here is that we're so... We're so... Um, transformed by good news thinking that that the good news spills out of us. 
not just the good news of salvation, but the good news of the goodness of God. Don't you love that song, Good, Good Father? So, I mean, just, so we want, and I, I want to just encourage you, I hope that, I hope that hanging out around us and here, that your life gets permeated with good news, with a good news mindset, and a, and a glass half full mentality, and that you begin to understand that God is a good, good father, and he wants to get good into your life. He's trying to get good into your life harder than you're trying to get it. So good news is part of our DNA. And we just want to just, oh, we want, we want that to be such a, a, a transformational grace here. The gift of righteousness, I just spoke for several weeks about reigning and life out of Romans 5.17. And uh, so we talked a lot about the gift of righteousness. Uh, so I'm not going to take time on that today to talk about it. Uh, restoration is a big, big thing. Um, and I really think that restoration is maybe uh, one of the core DNA values of our church. Is, uh, and it's one of my faults, by the way. It's also one of my faults. And it gets me in a lot of trouble. I'm in trouble with it right now. Can't tell you the story entirely, but I'm in trouble with it right now. In that uh, I tend to see all of your goodness and not your problems. Uh, so therefore... so. So it's a problem because I allow some of you to do things you shouldn't do and uh, I'm not very legal, legalistic and I'm just, you know, and I just believe the best about you and, uh, and so that's just, it's, it's a problem. But, the, you know, the strength is, that's on the strength side, it's just, it's all woven together with restoration. I just believe that God wants to restore every person to an Eden lifestyle, to an Edenic life. That Jesus really didn't come just to get us back to Father, but he came to get Father back to us, and he came to get us into the original place that God intended for us. So, uh, and, I, you know, and I practice this all the time over myself. Uh, so I, I was working on a job the last couple of days uh, that was very labor-intensive. And... Uh, and I've been declaring restoration over my knees and my left hip, uh, over my voice and over my ears and whatever else. <laughs> Say, Pastor really needs an overhaul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so last night I was telling Joel, I was like, man, I've had so much grace on me. In the last two days I've come home. And like at 3.30 three, at yesterday I realized that I had no pain in my knees. Now, some of you know I tore a, I had a meniscus tear. I, I had a meniscus tear from playing football with all you big boys when I was 52, pretending I was young, of which I'm still pretending. But then I fell off the roof out here, and when I fell off the roof, then it jolted my hip and my knees, and then my right knee, the one that had the meniscus tear, has gotten worse, and it's gotten terrible. So every day, just throughout the day, I'm just saying, Jesus restores my knee. Jesus restores my knee. Jesus restores my knee. And so yesterday, my second day of kind of this, kind of a 
stupid hard project, though at 3.30 I realized I had no knee pain all day. And I'm like, glory to God, Jesus restores my knee. And unbeknownst to my wife, my ears are getting better. Okay, here's the problem. The doctor said that your hearing loss is at those high frequencies. So I really had to struggle with that for a while. Should I declare Jesus restores my high frequencies? Or maybe not. We will see my voice restored. We will see my ears restored. Uh, I have no knee pain today. Um, You know what happened with my back. When I fell on my back, all of you huddled around me and you all started, you know, having fits. And I said, pray. Would you start praying, please? You remember that? Cut the sympathy and start declaring this man's back made well. Uh, and, um, and the Lord has done... Did I tell you about that? No, 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 no. That's, uh, no. Did I tell you about my last x-ray? So I've been believing my vertebrae would be rebuilt. And what was really cool is when we looked at the last x-ray, T12, T12 which was crushed in the middle, was totally rebuilding itself and was almost to full height. So I've been saying the Lord rebuilds my vertebrae. The Lord rebuilds my vertebrae. See, the power of God is manifested as you come into a declaration concerning that power and you make that power applicable in your own life, not by putting it off to the future. I pray someday God rebuilds my vertebrae, but literally releasing his power to work now by declaring his power released in the affirmative that he's doing what he wants to do now because you've come in into agreement with what he wants to do with your own voice. Would that confuse you? All right. Try that on your spouse. Dwayne loves Joel right now. I think that'll go well for you. Only use your name. Jack loves Candace, right? Restoration, uh, Joel 2. I'm not getting very far, am I? That's why we print these things. Joel chapter 2. I think Joel chapter 2. I was reading Joel chapter 2, and I'm like, whoa. This is America, Europe, and Canada. In Joel chapter 2, starting at verse 1, a northern army was allowed to come against Israel. Weird thing is, in the 70s, we didn't know what that was about, so we made it a song. They run on the, rush on the city, they run on the wall. Great is the army that carries out his word. Hey! We had this, you know, this messianic song we sang in the 70s. I don't think we understood what we were singing about. We were singing about God's judgment. That's kind of weird. 
Anyway, we sang that song. That's Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2 starts in God declaring a judgment over Israel because they've not been paying attention to him. They've not been walking in nearness. They've not been walking in covenant. They've not been walking closely. And God, God's protection, his embattlement, his boundaries, his fence, his wall around us is because we choose him, we run to him, we love him, we fear him, we make covenant or keep a covenant with him. When we fail to do that, then he can't keep us or protect us from Satan's plan to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan cometh to? John 10.10, 10, Satan cometh to kill, steal, and destroy. Well, if he cometh and the embattlements are set up because we have been noisy about our relationship with God, then he is stopped at the gate. He is stopped at the wall. So in Joel chapter 2, it says that this northern army was going to come against Israel because of their sins. Everybody say their sins. You ever sinned? I've sinned too. So, but then it says, when you turn back, when you rend your hearts and not just your garments, when you turn back to him, when you see this coming and you turn back to him, then he will come and restore. And this is the cool part about God, and we should just shout it all over this house all of the time. We should be shouting it all over one another all the time, is that when our hearts are turned to God, that he will restore. It's kind of that Romans eight twenty eight thing, and I probably talk about it a lot here, that he doesn't need good to bring forth good. He can bring good out of bad. All things work together for the good to those who are perfect. No, 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 no. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Are you a lover of Jesus? You are a lover of Yeshua. A lover of the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. Yes? So then listen to, uh, like this, this is what God did with them and proclaimed over them. Starting at verse 23. So rejoice, O sons of Zion, and be glad in the Lord your God. For he has given you the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down the rain for you. The early and the latter rain is before. The threshing floors will be full of grain and the vats will overflow with new wine and oil. Then I will make up for you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the creeping locust, the stripping locust, and the gnawing locust. My great army which I sent among you, and you will have plenty to eat and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. Then my people will never be put to shame. Thus you will know that I am in the midst of Israel, and that I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. And my people will never be put to shame. It's interesting he says that twice. So we believe in restoration. That is the DNA here. And you know, it should be the DNA no matter how we uh, discover one another. There should never be a gasp. There should never be a gasp in our midst. 
Somebody comes to you or in the foyer or in the restroom or in the hallway or at the altars. Somebody shares something about their life, their week, or their past. There should never be a gasp. (gasps) That filthy thing. There should, ne- there, should never, there should never be like the, the awe of surprise. <gasps> How could they sin so deeply? How could they be such a worm? How could they be so terrible? How could that happen? I prayed with them at the altar, but I just have to share this with you. You know, this person that I talked to this morning, I can't believe they are such... How could such putrid things come into our building? There should never be like this surprise tone. What there should be. When, when people get near us, the DNA that emanates out of us is the DNA of restoration. The DNA of completion. The DNA of, get, of you can get back on plan A. God can put every one of you back on plan A. And we should shout that over one another. And, and, and nothing should surprise us whatsoever. Nothing should overtake us. Nothing should like, oh, oh, there, there it is. There it is. That one's too big for God. There it is. There it is. I mean, I've been walking with God 30 years, but I prayed with somebody at the altar this morning, and I finally heard it. Something too big for God. And food. Food for Food for my gossip. Glory to God. I can't wait till I tell people how they need to pray for that person. Now, now I'm telling you a secret. No, no, just a secret, just for prayer, just for prayer. Don't, don't tell anybody this, but pray for this person that I... Their initials are Lonnie. Uh, that's the initials. Uh, I'm just giving you the initials. Lonnie Oles, that's the initials. You'll never know who it really is. Hello, somebody. Restoration. Uh, another one of our DNA is the, uh, as the team comes this morning. Uh, worship team, would you join me? Deliverance. Uh, deliverance is another one of uh, the DNA here is that we just want to constantly be examining ourselves and constantly be involved in getting ourselves free. Uh, I put on here the verse uh, out of 1 Peter chapter 5. Be of a sober spirit, be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, goes about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour, but resist him. Everybody say resist him. Everybody say resist him. It's interesting that we have to resist the enemy and that he is seeking to devour us. He's seeking to devour us with lies, with deception, with accusation, with false testimony, with true testimony, with abandonment of others when they made promises. With hurts and injuries, he's, he's seeking to devour us. In this particular passage, this passage was written to the young elders of the church who were getting upset that they weren't being notarized, recognized, and honored in the church. Read the passage. Read First Peter 5. 
There were young leaders in the church who weren't getting enough microphone time. And so Peter said, humble yourselves. You will be exalted in the right time. But calm down and wait for the Lord to exalt you. Oh, and and watch your attitude because Satan, your adversary, goes about as a roaring lion seeking to devour you young ones in the church who think you need more mic time or you think you need this or that. I'm not talking to anybody in here, by the way. I just want you to see the context. Stand with me. I want you to see the context. The context was horizontal. The context was relational. And Peter says, in the midst of horizontal relationships, if you feel there's mistreatment, the adversary is watching for that opportunity. And he wants to jump in there and devour you. But you can resist him by remaining firm in your faith. Resist him. Resist him. That's part of our DNA here, is that we really do have an adversary. We really do have an enemy. We really do have somebody that we, we better know that we should not like him, not forgive him, not be nice to him, but rather offer up a resistance with regard to him. Amen? It's part of our DNA. Part of our DNA. 33% of the Lord's ministry was setting people free from lies, oppression, deception, sickness, disease, affliction, schizophrenia that was all attributed to the demonic realm. 33% of his lifestyle was just saying to somebody, uh, you know what? I... I think that is of an unclean nature. Let's pray. We're going to get you free right now. That's our DNA too. That's who we are. Concerning that one, let's just say this together. Concerning that one, let's say this together. Discernment come. Holy Spirit, I welcome your discernment. Discerning of spirits, clarity of mind, insight against the adversary, soberness, courage, boldness to resist the enemy. I receive it right now in Jesus' name. Altars are open this morning.